Slot Podcast with the most electrifying man in all of podcasting. Your host, the Opera Ghost. Now please sit back, relax, make sure you enjoy yourself. And always remember, let's get a slutty, find the Ace Love Podcast on all social media at the Ace Love Podcast. And please check out the website, aceloppodcast.com, or email the show. At gmail.com. And once again, please enjoy. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SR Podcast with your host, The Opera Ghost. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's back to me as usual. And we're going to do a little bit of a follow-on from last week where I was interviewed by Sadie. And I'm going to go a little bit more in depth in some of the questions I answered. I'm not going to start with an ad this time. I'm going to change it up a little bit. It will come in, but it will be just a little bit later. But we are just going to fly in and grab it. Um, Yeah. Uh, finally beginning to feel a bit more normal now, which is a fantastic feeling for me, considering, um, as you guys know, I've had my brain injuries, and it's it's all coming right. I've got a dog trying to jump up on my knee, as per usual, so if you hear anything weird, that's what that'll be, and it'll be like that throughout this entire episode. But, uh, yeah, without any further ado, any further wait... Um, make sure you check me out on all the socials first, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at the ASAP Podcast, uh, ASAPPodcast.com is my home on the internet, on the interwebs, so go check that out as well, or you can email me at the Podcast at gmail.com. Now, relax, sit back, and please enjoy, and always remember, let's get a slutty.
was a song by Hal and Maggie called I'm a Slut, which kind of just sums me up a little bit, I think. Um, but, yeah. We, like I said, we are, we are going to delve a little bit more into me. There will be some stuff that's doubled up from uh, from last week, but I'm, I'm sure you guys don't mind hearing it too much. Again, if you hear any noise, it's probably just my dog being my dog. Um, I'm pretty sure most of you would have seen it by now. If you haven't, let me know. I'm more more than happy to show off my my adorable my adorable dog, and he is adorable. The Swedish Valand. But yeah, so let, let let let's get into learning a wee bit more about me. And I'm I'm gonna start this by um by talking about why I started this podcast really is and it, and it was because I was getting into podcasting uh, or podcasts not podcasting, but getting into podcasts, I was relatively late onto it. It was maybe six months before I started this podcast, so it'll be about two and a half years ago I was listening to them, um, and I started with one called Guys We Fucked, which is from two comedians who were based in California, but I think they've both moved now, I can't quite remember, and it was just having open sexual conversations, which was really, really cool. And I sort of thought to myself, what about um, the more alternative side of things? So the polyamory, swinging, the kink side, and especially based in a for- based in education as opposed to just talking. It's re- it, don't get me wrong, it's really awesome that people are out there and talking about it, making it more normalised and all of that sort of thing. But I still think education has a has a strong strong base. So that that's the reason I started this is to try and oh. Assist in, in educating people around these supposed alternative sexual activities or alternative lifestyles, and um, yeah, alternative uh, relationships and all that sort of thing, and how how to go about it, how to get into it, that sort, of, and that. So uh, yeah, that that that's why I started this podcast, and hopefully I've succeeded in a couple of times. Like I said, I have been, I have had the opportunity to go and talk to some schools. Um, about their pickup culture and their online cultures and that sort of thing. So that's been really, really cool. And just changing those thought patterns around some of those people. And that's why I've had the recent episodes around um, just how to act in certain situations. So I think I I have one recently about um, going into a swingers club. I have one about how you how what you say can actually affect some other people, and that's usually what I talk about in schools. Uh, we heard a lot of a lot of people who who messaged me about how they've been treated um, by the opposite gender in in that pickup culture, in that um, even in a relationship during that time as well. So I'm really hoping that that um, resonates with some people, and that hopefully they'll kind of become better people because of it, I hope. Like, I've become a better person over the last two and a half years. Partly from doing, from doing the podcast, but also from realising that I was being a shitty person myself. I didn't start the podcast until after I realised I was a shitty person. But it's still been a great time of growth for me, because I have learned a lot of stuff that I did not know about anyway, so... I'm hoping some people have have learned and grown with me. I guess is is the main part of that. 
But yeah, so that's why I started the podcast. A little bit about me. I'm almost 31 now. Um, I was born on the last day of winter in 89, so you can do the math. Um, I was born in Christchurch in New Zealand, but I grew up in Brisbane in Australia. I now reside in Christchurch. Uh, I am by trade a delivery driver, a courier driver for those in America. The equivalent to a FedEx driver, I guess, really. But I don't drive one of the big square blocky silly vans that they do. And I'm a lot better at my job than some of the videos I've seen online of, of postal workers and FedEx workers and UPS workers, etc, etc. Um, I'm not working at the moment. I'm not allowed to, to drive. Um, again, re- due to my recent brain injury, it's part of the legislation that if you have a brain injury, then you've got to take uh, a certain amount of time off from driving. I have been cleared to go and take a driving test, which means I'm hopefully going to be back at work in October, which will be super exciting for me because I am, as bad as it sounds, and I know these come out late, I'm lacking a little bit of motivation because I'm not working, if that makes any sense to anyone out there. And that, that sort of goes on to doing the podcast. I like motivation for most things, unfortunately. Um, but it's also... Like a, a, a boredom level does come in. Like people think, oh, you don't work. It's awesome. It's so cool. You get to chill out. But man, it gets really boring. And I'm not about that life at all. Um, but yeah, I travel. I try and travel every two years. Uh, next year was planned for Europe for a few months. But with COVID hitting and with my brain injury, I've just delayed that till 2022. Uh, hopefully, go then. Hopefully, everything's calmed down by then. And I'll be able to go and travel and and do my thing. My last trip was only a year ago anyway, and that was road tripping through America. I've done a couple of episodes on that, so do go back. I interviewed uh, Mistress Jennifer at the time, the Gayish podcast at the time. I also spoke to the Uni- Unicorn Report, and that came out pretty much straight away. And then that was the end of season two, was with Mistress Jennifer. So as season two started... Again, I talked to uh, the Gayish podcast, who are amazing, amazing people, by the way. If you haven't checked them out, go check them out. It's Gayish podcast. Do go check them out. I also talked to Kaylee Walker, who is uh, part of ambi.org and got a lot of information about bisexuality and spoke to her while I was over there. And it was... Uh, Really, really cool. I also organised with. Um, it was set up a long time ago, but we finally got around to talking. And talking to Susanna Vice, who's been published so many places. And again, do check her out on Twitter at Susanna Vice or go to SusannaVice.com. That's S U Z A N A H W E I S S for both of those. So do go and check that out. So that, and yeah, that was cool. So that was 43 days traipsing around America. And yeah, then sort of came back and it was back to ordinary life from that point. Um, and back to doing this. But I was able to talk to some schools over there. I was able to uh, teach a kink class around electroplay in Albuquerque, which was a, a, a lot of fun, believe me. And for my birthday while I was there, it was just before my 30th, 
I was able to um, it's basically just uh, a, a a party of sorts over there but it very quickly turned into a little bit of an orgy and a lot of sexy times and a lot of fun um, I also managed to check out the players club over there I did an episode on my uh, with, uh, with a review of players club which was really cool really really fantastic do check that out just go back through and you and you'll find it you'll find it it's not, <laughs> it's not I haven't done enough episodes that things get lost all over the place but it's it's certainly there I, I talk about it in my welcome back episode basically in my America slash welcome back episode. Um, is where I do that do that review and that was really cool but Enough about that side of things. We we're here to, as weird as it feels to say it, and as weird as as it sounds, we're here to talk about me and my journey through things. Um, like I said, a lot of topics will, would have been covered in last week's episode, which was done with Sadie, um, where the tables were turned a bit, and she interviewed me and learned a wee bit about me. I just want to go a bit more in depth. I'm going to start with the kink side of things here because that's what I got into earliest and that's what I really, really, um, yeah, really got into and got to know re really quite well. And it took me a while to get to, to know it well. It took me actually quite a while. So with kink, I got into it, like a lot of people, via porn. Not the greatest way to get into, into kink because a lot of it's not realistic and we know that. But there are some sites like King.com have brought it in, um, especially in their Sex and Submission series, that they have the they have an information discussion at the start with it, which is sort of a negotiation sort of scene at the start where they're on the couch and they're talking about what's going on and what the safe words and stuff are. So this is actually kind of good education, I think. Um, while it's not completely realistic, it's still something that a lot of porn doesn't include. So that, that's how I got into it. I started Fet Life basically as, as an 18-year-old, as part of that. Um, but I, I didn't really use it as much. I thought it was just another pickup pick site, and sort of, you know, I sent around the same sort of messages. I certainly wasn't a dominant at this time. I wouldn't. Looking back on it. I was. I thought I was a dominant, but I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't classify myself now that looking back at it as a quote unquote dom. Um, I'm now a switch for those of you that don't know, but that, that's how I got into it. I did. <coughs> I did make a mistake early on with somebody who is. I uh, who thankfully I'm friends with still now, but looking back on it, it was really not a good. Really not a good um, good way for me to go about things, I guess. At the time, um, I was I started seeing somebody who was who was kinky, and I played with them maybe three or four times, I think. Not not too often, and it was in that dumb dom, that dumb sob role, that dom sub sort of dynamic. But uh, I kind of just I kind of ghosted them. I guess is probably the easiest way of saying it. And it really wasn't a good thing, uh, and I didn't learn that it was so horrible until maybe six months later, and that's when I was just like, well, that was a really shitty thing to do. 
And looking back on it now, it's even more shitty. And I'm 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 really lucky that this person's still in contact with me because they're great. They're they're a wonderful person and really really great to have as a friend. So looking back on it, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a a dark mark on on my kink journey and in my kink life. But during that time, I I, I started seeing. The partner that I talked about in the last episode, uh, I started seeing them. Uh, no, different partner. Sorry, different partner. Started seeing them and got invited along to in, into the local scene. So it was a TNG event. So the next generation. So it's 35 and under, and they just had coffee every at that time. I think it was every fortnight. I think it's every month potentially now. I'm not sure. I'm not involved so much now. But it was every fortnight back then, so I went along and you know started talking to people and started to learn a thing or two. The things that I really learned about during this is there was a lot of self-reflection by me and realizing, and this is when I realized that stuff I'd done in the past really wasn't very good overall, and wanted to um, wanted to improve on those things. So there's a lot of self-reflection through this time. And sort of open my mind to learning new things instead of just going, no, what I've been doing is right, you're wrong. Sort of thing that a lot of people are far more experienced than me at this time. And you do still get a lot of people that are a little bit too, I don't want to say pig-headed, but strong-willed is, I think, the term that I'll use. Strong-willed um, during this time and think that, you know, why not do it this way? It's worked so far, but... I think in the, in those sorts of forms, it doesn't always include the thoughts of both people and the experiences of both people that, or of the people that are involved, just in general. But what I learned through here is definitely around contracts. So I've now got a nine-page contract and a thirteen-page questionnaire as to what people are into, and that's part of the negotiation side of it as well. Uh, the the questionnaire sort of it's a tick box as to which one you're into sort of thing and it allows me to know what they're into and then learning to negotiate from there each and every single play that you do with a person it involves negotiation that's a big thing that I, that I learned and I talked about it a little bit last week but there was another another instance where I really wasn't very good where I played with somebody in the past and they were good friends of mine as well and I went to a play party with somebody else and they were there as well and I was being I, I was being what I thought was playful at the time and just you know just doing those slightly kinky things that you know the controlling behaviors and that sort of thing in that role but it hadn't been negotiated by in any stretch and I did not pick up on the on the body language or, or anything of them at the time, and they were—they did not want the, any of that whatsoever. So this is another big learning step for me. Was was this party that we were at, and learning that you need to negotiate before you do anything at any given time with anyone. So, and I'm kind of glad that I learned that at that point. I'm not happy that I did what I did, but it was a, a great way for me to learn the lesson that I obviously needed to learn at that time and sort of went through that so yeah doing something one time doesn't cover it for the next 
So, but as as part of that, yeah, as part of my learning through this, and something I didn't realize beforehand is aftercare, especially after a heavy sort of scene or, or whatever. And I started to play very heavily through this time, uh, after I learned about aftercare, of course. Thankful, thankfully, it was after I learned about aftercare and what it entails and how it's individualized to different people. But before learning about it, I didn't, I obviously, I didn't know about it at all. I was still um, playing in a kinky way, in a BDSM or kink kind of way, but it um it was at the at the risk of the other person and me not really not stepping up as a dominant should um after a scene and just sort of leaving them be which is so 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 terrible so so terrible like looking back on it it's terrible at the time i certainly did not realize it, otherwise i would not have done it let me tell you that the other thing that I learned, and I've, and I made this mistake earlier on, but so not after I've learned through all of this, but I made this mistake earlier on. It's not a competition to see who. Say you've got two kinksings in an evening. Uh, it's not a competition to see who can handle the most pain. So say it's a couple of impact scenes, or say sadism, sadist versus masochist scene, something like that. And one person doesn't take what you think is an, as much uh, pain or impact or play as another person does. That's not a competition. That's just their level. So there's no point. There's no. There's no reason to go up to them and go, "Oh, you're lucky. I'm not playing." Which is these are words that I actually said. You're lucky you weren't playing with me because it would have been much worse. Which is horrible anyway because that's their level. For starters, is that's their level. You don't want to go above their level, really, unless you, you might want to push it a little bit, but that has to be negotiated first. And that 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 comment there alone can one it brings down other people. It can bring down other people quite easily. And two, it's just completely unnecessary because it's not a competition as to who can dish out the most pain or who can receive the most pain. It's about mutual enjoyment for everybody who's there. So that was another mistake that, that I sort of made back in the day. And and part of this is to say that I'm definitely not infallible by any stretch. Everybody makes mistakes. It's just about what you do with those mistakes and how you learn from them that's really important. Because it, it might do it. And, and how you react to being told that, hey, that's a no-go. Can you please not do that? Or, yeah, that's not a great thing or even noticing it at a later point you, it's kind of necessary to grow as a human being and as a kingster as well obviously so I'll, I'll go into sort of some of the kinks that I have I'm big on impact impact especially topping or being in the dominant role I'm not as big on it um, on at the bottom role I prefer the more mind game sort of side of being uh, a submissive but in saying that I'm very very good at my at mind fucking and mind games myself that's a strength that I would put on myself I don't want to big myself up here but that's something I really enjoy doing as well as receiving it's just very tough for me to to receive it because I, I have such a high level of 
I guess expectation as uh, as a submissive because I understand the dominant side of it now and that's been an issue a couple of times for me but that happens but um, what else um, obviously um, as I've spoken about a few times big into electro play I'm more than happy topping or bottoming for that or being the dominant or submissive whichever way you want to put it I'll probably refer to it more as topping and bottoming in this um, yeah I prefer both on those I enjoy the sensation I love sensation play just in general. Um, like I said, I love the mind fucking, I love the power, um, power control, power imbalance, power plays sort of stuff. Um, I'm very big uh, in being controlled sexually. So that that's another big thing I learned. Just on that note, is that kink and sex can be two completely separate things, and quite often for me they are. So. But I do enjoy being controlled sexually. I love being pegged. I love being told to go and do things. I love. I, I I'm also a big fan of completing tasks for my dominant in that role. I guess. Um, I don't so much enjoy setting tasks for for a submissive. I guess it's not it's not really my thing unless it's purely just to improve who they are as a person. So if, if they're not eating. I might set a task to make sure that they eat two meals a day or some, something along those lines. But it's not hugely my thing. I, I really enjoy um, doing things for people. It's it, it like Giving gifts is, and acts of service are two big parts of, in my love languages anyway. So, um, so yeah, they're definitely that's definitely in there. Uh, I, I got into kink by by way of impact play so that's always sort of stuck there um, I have this really annoying well it's not annoying for me it's annoying for the bottom that I can hit the exact same place 72 times in a row if I want to um, so for me I, I really enjoy doing that but I also need to note while I'm doing that how the other person is doing with it in that spot so if you do the same exact same place over and over and over again, it can become a wee bit too much quite easily. So it's just been, uh, it's just definitely just being careful around that. Um, as as I said, I'm my my big thing, especially nowadays, or as it has been for I guess five years or so now, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, is electro. So my 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 journey into electro play. A lot of people hear electro play and think, oh, it's just being electrocuted. It's, there's so much that comes into it. It's more sensation than anything. But there is a little bit of control and some sadomasochism involved with it as well. Sadist, sadism and masochism. Uh, depending on which side you are, I guess. But I, I got into it by going to a TNG event that was uh, based around electro and how to do electro, how to get into it, how to all the safety stuff like that and it wasn't something that I was interested in because um, I, had, I had the same thought that a lot of people do when they hear electro play again which is that I was just being electrocuted it's more sensation based more than anything else as I learned um, so I went along to a TNG the next generation event teaching uh, where somebody was presenting on electro play I tried a few things out saw the sensations it had on others I simulated, and the mothers out there are going to hate me for this, I simulated um, 
giving birth with it with the tens machine. I know it helps um, bring on birth, but the, probably the closest that a male's ever going to get to giving birth. Um, and weirdly, and this is the part that'll annoy people is that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that side of things. I definitely wouldn't enjoy giving birth because it's uh, kind of horrific to even just hearing stories about giving birth. And <laughs> yeah, but that was the simulation of it, amongst other things. And there's lots of things you can do with um, with the uh, foil, and in, which involves some water as well, which is. Um, yeah, it's just the way the electricity travels through everything. And so I, I sort of perked up to attention and then dove head deep into learning more about Electro. Now I've got, you know, my TENS machine. I've got, uh, we use a, uh, a, a cattle prod during the, during the presentation as well. So we learned about all sorts. I have a, a little, I don't know if you, if anybody listening has had those fly swatters that are almost like electric, electrolyzed, electricalized, sorry, electricalized um, tennis rackets. It's a modified one of them with just two points on the end. So I use that as sort of a kind of a control thing, I guess. As long as it's negotiated first. But if they're misbehaving at a party, or, or for example. Then I'll just give them a quick zap, and that's that's all. It's just a quick zap. It doesn't cause any any long-lasting effects or anything like that. But it's very, 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 very fun to use. I also had a scene which lasted a whole evening, which probably one of my favourite scenes, and with one of my favourite people. If you go back to the in your endo podcast um, episode, which I think was episode eight, I'm just going to go double check that. It's an old one from way back in the day, but it is, um, it was a really, really fun scene. So it was with, uh, it wasn't episode eight, episode 10, sorry, episode 10, it's called In Your Endo, and it's with a person that at the time, and kind of still am, but we haven't spoken for a fair while, um, she's also the person I broke some trust with, with what I've talked about on the podcast which got taken down uh, quite quickly um, and talked about something that I shouldn't have at that time but I did a scene with this lovely lovely human being who I was head over heels for at the time and like I said kind of still am because I know who they are as a person still um, but it was a dog collar wearing a, an electrolyte, uh, electronic dog collar Thankfully, it had a vibration setting as well, and they, they are banned in New Zealand to be used on animals, which is understandable for me. Almost like a bark collar, I guess, is what some people call it. And so what I would, what we did throughout the evening, we were at a kink party. Um, if I, it, was, it was a service scene. It was a service scene, but it lasted all night. If I wanted something, I would just press the vibrate button. And that meant, okay, you need to come to me. I, I would, I need, I need something. I like something. I want something. And if they didn't turn up within 20 seconds, they would get a zap on the zap side. So they had to sort of pay attention to what was happening 
with the vibrates and if they didn't feel it they would get a zap and I did have the I did have the electricity phone throw at a low level but it was it's still very it's still I would say that it's still quite strong but yeah that that was an amazing amazing scene um, and we we ended up playing with electro when we properly played later on that evening as well we were properly playing all the way through but we actually set this is the time for our actual scene scene for lack of a better term um, with more impact and the end that side of things it's it's really interesting um, like even it, through all of that sort of stuff is I've always had and this is the reason that I use the moniker that I do the opera ghost and that that is my username on FetLife as well if you do want to go and, and find me is the opera ghost I think it's the underscore opera underscore ghost I'll just check that if I if I can find where where my FetLife is which I can't but I think it's it might be hyphens the hyphen opera hyphen ghost But I'll I'll still, I'll still try and find it while I keep talking. But I'm yeah the hyphen opera hyphen ghost. But I'm very theatrical based, and I've done a a Phantom of the Opera scene before along with music. But then making it as theatrical as I could. So I had the proper Phantom of the Opera mask on. Underneath it was uh, another mask where at the time the opera becomes grotesque and while that song was playing while we were doing the scene um, I would rip that mask off, uh, it, the mask got ripped off me by the person I was playing with showing the grotesque side and then showing the anger or showing anger but not actually showing anger acting anger and getting right back headfirst into the scene and, and what that Sort of done, and it's always been a, a, a sort of goal of mine to take this to a big party. I've, I've this perform this performance, this play session was at a party, but we have we have, for lack of a better term, little festivals here with performances um, as as part of it. So that that's really what I want to do with that is be on stage and perform uh, a, a scene of that ilk. Because I, I think it's I think it's just stunningly beautiful, and it has and it involves the story, and it has those, as with any story, it has those natural rises and natural rise and fall sort of flow to it, which is I think is great to include in a scene. So even if it wasn't Phantom of the Opera, something theatrical. Although if you think of like Hamilton or Chicago, I probably wouldn't do it with that, just because it's it doesn't feel the same. But Phantom of the Opera is my, is my big one that I'd really love to move on and, and do something with on stage. Now, there are differences for me, again, we're, we're basing this on myself, um, for me between playing at a play party and playing in the privacy of one's home. Again, I tend to put on more of a performance if I'm at a party or something like that and have it more theatrical-based um, and tend to stay sort of within someone's complete comfort levels as opposed to trying to push them because 
having it being public it's not it's not it's just not nice for me but pushing limits not not going over them but pushing that thing just to see if they can go any further on that is something that I do at home I, it's certainly not as theatrical based it's I guess for me a little bit more mechanical unfortunately I prefer playing in public spaces like a party or something like that but that that's just me it's because at that point I guess I'm the the attention of the room people can come in and watch and leave as they please but I, I like grabbing people's attention and that for me is an amazing way don't get me wrong I love playing at home or in a in an agreed place with somebody but that that sort of public thing really sort of really excites me and helps me get in the headspace a little bit more but I think I think it I think I'm a little bit more sensual during those I'm definitely sensual at home because as it's more personal I think but I'm also a big fan of, of I guess showing off to people showing off my submissive to people in that in that sort of in that sort of role or you know and just, and being proud of them and being proud of the work that has been achieved with them so yeah um, I'm not so much part of the kink scene now the local kink scene here where I'm from and that's just purely because um, I think for me there's a couple of people that I don't really get along with and I, I, I just like avoiding drama and, and avoiding that sort of thing it's not not my scene in any way shape or form so I mean I just I haven't had proper kink play in a long time I might see I might dip my toes back in soon and see how it goes if I do I will update you lovely lovely beautiful people on what's going on but we'll just see how it goes it's not it's not to the forefront for me now the forefront for me now is just human connection I'm lonely peeps <laughs> I, I, I've, got, I've got a bunch of people but my, my dating pool is minuscule and I will go into that uh, a little bit later on um, around some of the difficulties involved with for lack of a better term who I am and and what and what I am as part of that so we, we still have the non-monogamy and bisexuality parts of this to add into so we're keeping along the same sort of themes again but it, these are large large parts of who I am as a human being so it's it's great to talk about it and go a little bit more in depth about it. But right now, we're going to have a quick break and I'll be right back after this. Hey there, beautiful people. Who's a part of Old Playground yet? I know I certainly am, and what a place it is. Now, I know online, going out and meeting people is difficult right now, especially if you're starting to talk online. But, are you looking for naughty fun in the safety and comfort of your own home? Video chatting is now exploding over at oldplayground.net. You can chat with a specific sexy couple or individual, 
or create a secure group video chat. So much you can do with it. It's just another way that Old Playground is changing the game and providing you with all of the naughty fun in one convenient place. While you're looking through that, why not check out the communities, which is where I'm based. There's podcasters, club and event hosts, and those with the fingers on the pulse of the lifestyle have communities at altplayground.net. It's the perfect place to keep up with all the lifestyle happenings. So go check it out at altplayground.net. Okay team, if you're not part of APG, I suggest you go and do that as soon as you can, especially if you're in the States. It's well, well worth it. So we've talked about kink mainly so far, I think it's all kink so far, Uh, but part of that that came into my kink lifestyle was the non-monogamy side of things, so we're going to do it this ultra smooth segue now into that we're going to talk about that a little bit um, because the the two sort of go kind of go hand in hand with each other quite a bit there's a lot of non-monogamy in the kink scene that doesn't mean to say that there aren't people who are monogamous in that scene at all by any stretch there most definitely are people that are monogamous through there but there's a lot to be said for play partners and that sort of thing and you know a kink that you have that maybe your partner doesn't have you'll go and explore that with somebody else and as long as it's all about board it's all fine but my non-monogamy story is like I said last episode was sort of part of the deal when I um, when I started dating uh, one of my exes was that was part of their deal is that it was all polyamorous and all about board and everything. And I, at that time, I was still emotionally immature, shall we say? It's probably the easiest way to say that. Um, but at that point, I was like, "Yeah, no worries. That that that's fine." You know, you get blinded sometimes by you know the that person and obviously what is considered love at that point, whether it is love or whether it's not, um, it's it can be blinding at times, even if it's just desire. But it was it was a it was a good choice for me to get involved with that because the amount of the the, the level of personal growth that I've gained since becoming Norman Ogos has been absolutely wonderful for me personally. It's not for everyone, and I understand that. But this one was, for me, was absolutely brilliant. I used to be really quite poor with jealousy. I used to be a very, very, very jealous person. If I saw, you know, somebody else saying, even talking to somebody else, I would be like, what the hell was going on there? That sort of stuff. So, like, going into polyamory, obviously, jealousy can still play a part, but you don't really want that sort of jealousy to be to be involved in your relationship that I don't even think you can consider that jealousy I think it's overprotectiveness I guess of your relationship of your dynamic or whatever it might be so getting over that was a huge huge one for me 
and working on that and becoming better with that. And nowadays, it's really not an issue. The only the only sort of jealousy I get now, I think, is that oh, I want to do that <laughs> sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's that, for lack of a better term, fear of missing out. But I also I understand where they're coming from, and they can go and do that. That's absolutely fine by me. They don't always. It's not all about me. And, and it's the same in a monogamous relationship. Really, it's not all about me. It's not all about one per one person or one half of the relationship, or even you know getting involved with that side of things. It's it's about the partnership that you have right there, and that. So get um, coming into that was was huge with me. Um, another another part of it was uh, I'll, I'll go into why I got into into non monogamy uh, my my reasoning now especially that I because obviously I got into it for an ex but after sort of learning a lot more about it and how it works and and how I can and how I can improve myself there's the the reason that I really got into living with living as a polyamorous person is, and I think I may have said this before but I'm not quite sure but it's based around odds and maths as boring as that sounds but there's what seven billion people on earth right seven billion people and you want to find that one person that satisfies all your needs all your wants and all your desires while you satisfy all of theirs while you also have that that special something that je ne sais quoi between you as well you know that those odds are beyond astronomical for me so why not just and and staying with that person is is not easy. Let's be honest. A relationship has to be worked on regardless, whether it's polyamorous or not. But why not get a few different people that satisfy different parts of you? You know, you might. And this goes back into the kink, into the kink thing, where your partner not, might not be into something kink-wise that you are, or something like that. You might not get the affection from your partner that you might that somebody else will give you, or that intellectual side of things that somebody else might not give you or might give you. You know, there's so many things that can be added into this this explanation, I guess, for lack of a better term. So that that's what got me into it is there's there's so many people on the planet and you the likelihood that you'll find that one that satisfies everything and you satisfy all of theirs is just too high for me, so have different people satisfy different parts. You can live a happy life between you for that as well. Um, a question I've been asked a, a few times recently is, do I date monogamously? Um, I'm not closed off to the idea of dating monogamously. Would I prefer some um, dating polyamorously? Yes. Do I... Usually when going into a polyamorous relationship anyway, I tend to begin monogamously just so that we can get, get a feel for each other and, and all of that sort of thing properly in, in a relationship and get comfortable in a relationship before opening up. And I think that's a really, I think for, for me, that's a really good way of doing it. So it's not just rushing in and going into a polyamorous relationship and then finding that there's issues 
or potential issues that could come up. Make sure you're comfortable first and then go into it. That's that that's my thought anyway. Um so from from the polyamorous relationships and whatnot, I have more recently gotten into swinging. Um, as a single man, it's a little more difficult than not, especially in a small town which no longer has a has a venue for swinging really. So it has to be all interpersonal and whatnot. It's tough to meet somebody at the swingers club when you don't have a swingers club. Um, but I have to thank By the By for this one. So if you don't know By the By, the By the By podcast, um, do go check them out. Um, I did get involved with swinging briefly before, but it wasn't a really, it wasn't a huge part of me by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't. I didn't really identify as as a swinger, I guess, for lack of a better term. But I, I did go to the old swingers event. I did go with an ex to swingers events and things like that. But it wasn't until I, I went over to our secret spot over in Sydney after I was invited by the By the By crew for a little podcast get-together. There was myself. There was... The bed hoppers. There was by the by. I think Kate from Swimming Down Under was there as well. Not at the actual party, but at the pre-party, I guess. Um, to you know, have a wee bit of a wee bit of a chat and meet and a meet and mingle is what it was described as. So I went in and did that, and then um, went to the party, and that's when I was like, yeah, 100%, this is me, because I was able to play with a few people that night and people that I'd never met. So it was really quite wonderful. I made a couple of wonderful contacts, which was which was great as well. And yeah, so that was the swinging side of things. As part of as coming across as I, I still don't describe myself as a swinger as such though, because I'm still single and it feels weird to say that I'm a single swinger. I guess I'm a single guy that likes to go to the swingers parties and get involved with the swingers scene and all that sort of stuff. But I feel strange calling myself a swinger. But as I was about to go into, sorry, um, with the whole polyamory side of things, um, it does bring up a lot of stereotypes, especially for people that don't understand the polyamory side or even this, uh, because I don't out and out say that I'm a swinger, it's definitely on the polyamorous side. And there, there are some stereotypes that come through with it. And one of it isn't, is, one of them is, isn't that just fucking everyone that you can or everyone that you want to and the answer is most definitely no and um, with with my polyamory with with my sexual life anyway i really crave that connection between the two parties i can't it's very difficult for me to go up and e- even at a swingers party without talking to them first for a wee while um build an attraction there where i'm comfortable enough to go and have sex with them um i don't really do the I'm not very good at initiating that contact either. It's, I'm actually fucking awful at initiating that contact. But it's definitely not just going around and, and sleeping with people with, on the polyamory side. Or even, even the swinging side, it's still that connection there. But polyamory is more relationship based, whereas open relationship or swinging can definitely be relationship based, but it, it's not traditionally based in that. 
So no, I don't go around sleeping with whoever will sleep with me. I'm, unfortunately for me, very choosy. And that's part, part of the reason I'm still single. The other part is, and I'll talk about it again a little bit later, is that small dating pool. Me. It can sometimes make it slightly difficult to find a partner. But it's just part of life. I am getting to that point now where um, I'm almost to that. Will I find somebody or no? But I've also got um, my own standards that to to live by and what I would um, what I would require and how I can um, be with somebody and not not just what I require but what how I can help them as well and you know bring value to somebody else's life as well I don't just want to be a no one I guess really um, and moving on then to this into something that's potentially linked as well to it all is that just in case you didn't know already I'm bisexual I had an episode with Kaylee Walker from Ambi.org um, all about bisexuality and I've been told recently, you're not bi, you're pan. I'm just, and I sit there and say, well, bi means one gender and other genders. It's not, it's not a straight dichotomy. So I guess technically I'm pan, but I, pan, but I identify as bisexual, um, partly due to that, um, due to that reason. But yeah, so I'm just gonna go through my journey of bisexuality, I guess. I kind of I started thinking about um, obviously men first, well, not obviously, but I I thought about men first, and that was back when I was seventeen, and it was part of this is because I I craved attention. I just, it didn't matter at that point who it was from. I craved that connection, that you know, and sex. Obviously, I craved that at seventeen years old. It's tough not to, but it was just sort of a and obviously at 17 I was developing who I was as a person but a lot of it came down to to just craving somebody wanting me I guess for lack of a better term um, but yeah I ended up I ended up sleeping with a man and really enjoying it so I was like well this isn't as bad as what they made it out to be being gay is not horrible because I, I was a horrible bigot when I was younger but I'm very happy to say that I'm not no longer that way, or I don't see myself as that way anymore. I've definitely moved on from that, but well, especially going into the bisexuality part of it, it was a big help in that, and realizing that's sort of who I was, and the the realization I didn't really have a that that was my realization moment, I guess, and it's I don't have a type when it comes to to males because of that or anything like that. I don't have a type when it comes to people in general, really. A, I, I just need to connect with them on, on some basis. And then I, I sort of can work from there. And yeah, that's a realisation that I found men attractive, at least anyway. So that that's when I started considering myself as bisexual. It wasn't until much later that I realize that 
you know, people are people, and I'm going to be attracted to whoever I'm attracted to. And this is where the, the other genders and other sexualities and other sorts came in. And I, I sort of got to the point, and I'm, I'm not super proud of this, but I went through a phase of, if it looks good, then I'm probably going to try and sleep with it. Um, for me, that that's that's not a great way to go about it because there's no that's not the connection there. There's not really the the humanity there. I guess it's just that looks good. I'm gonna try and sleep with it, and it's not that person. It's not who they are as a person, and it was really really quite bad. I think, and it it was just uh, sexually charged. At the time, there was there was no thought of relationships with any other gender, but but female. But I'm happy to say now that that's that's changed, and I've sort of. Uh, it might be the fact that I I I um am I am a little bit lonely. I won't deny that, but I don't think it's that either. I think it's the fact that I love people. I really really love people. I like people and and who they are and what makes them tick and what makes them go and that's really how I am now and that's sort of how it looks to me now um, so I've, I've been asked a couple of questions around this I've obviously been asked what's my coming out story I didn't really have a coming out story to, per se I just started sharing memes and whatnot on Facebook and stuff and then I guess people just clued on I didn't make a big scene, I didn't do really anything, it was just, yeah, a bunch of memes and then just people cottoned on and it's sort of been that way ever since, I still haven't had a, I don't out and out tell people that I'm bi or anything like that, but I mean, I, I also get asked if it's on my dating profiles and absolutely, absolutely it's on my dating profiles. Just purely because there are bigots out there, and you don't want those people contacting you and and seeing how it goes, and then it turns out that they don't like that. It's really weird to me because I've had bisexual females um, not want to see me in any way because I'm bisexual, and you just sort of sit there and you go, "But it's, that makes no sense to me because we're both." we're both bisexual like if you don't want to date me that's fine I get that but dating me because of my sexuality because I'm a bi male that sucks that really really sucks Um, another question that I get asked and this is these are just generalizations I should say sorry this is just generalizations is that again like I've just talked about aren't you just pansexual I'm just like, well technically yes but I identify as bi because it still does mean for me it means female and other genders so I show as bisexual another question that's been asked a number of times is aren't you greedy doesn't that mean you just sleep with anyone again I go back to my previous comment about polyamory and the swinging lifestyle and things like that is that I need that I sort of need that connection with a, with a person, so no, I don't just sleep with anybody. Somebody just came up to me and just went, hey, you want to go? Or you want to you wanna fuck? Or use some terrible pickup line. I love pickup lines, though, by the way. They're great. But you don't use them as an icebreaker. 
as as your first sentence, in my opinion. You go, hey, do you want to hear my shit pickup line? Or, hey, do you want to hear a pickup line? Something like that, after you've talked to them for a wee bit. Because it, it, it can show a sense of humour in that point, and being able to laugh at it. But if you go forward and just say a pickup line, then it quite often shows what just what you're looking for, and that's it. And it sometimes doesn't show a lot more. And for some people it can work because that's what they're, they're after, I guess. But yeah, not for me. Not for me at all. And one, one, one of these big things is the difference between male and female bisexuality. And that's through society. There's, there's not actually a difference between them, in my opinion. I don't see either one differently. I don't see anything differently. But... We all know that, you know, especially porn, I'll go back to porn, pushed the bisexual female or lesbian female as really hot, really attractive, really something to strive for, I guess, for lack of a better term. Whereas the gay male or bisexual male is frowned upon a little bit more. And it's even even more so in society, I would say, that um, a lot of people go, oh, bi girl, that's fucking hot. That, that must be awesome. Or And then for a bi guy, it's just sort of a, oh, you're a bi guy, so you fuck men as well. Oh, oh okay. And that and that's that's actually really kind of tough to, to deal with because it's part of who I am as as a human being, which, make, which is just really tough to someone just be put out by a large part of who you are as a human being. Really, kind of, really, really, kind of, um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what more to say on that. It's just, it's just tough. Um, so I'll, I'll go into some things that sort of come all three, uh, just as a, as a summary, I guess, for lack of a better term. And, and here's where I'll talk about the small dating pool that I have. Like, I'm bisexual. That takes some people out. I get the two straight for gay men, two gay for women. Like that that can happen somewhat significantly. Then you add in the kink side of things. Not everybody's a kinkster. Not everybody likes the stuff that you're into, especially when it comes to kink. But the the, the big one that that really cuts down the dating pool, in my opinion, is the fact that I'm polyamorous and or or, or non-monogamous. I guess is probably the the better way to put it and just purely because people hear those terms and they think that we cheat we fuck around we sleep with everybody I can't commit to one person um, you know that side of things and you know polyamory is just an excuse to cheat etc 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 and that that makes it that makes my dating pool absolutely tiny especially in a country of uh, f- 4 million and a city of about 400,000 means my, my, my dating pool is relatively minuscule, but that, that's, it's just one of those things, I guess. <laughs> Again, yeah, it's just one of those things, but you, you, I, I am at a point now in my life where I'm just sort of like, come on, can some people just sort of like step up for me now, please? I'm 31, or... 31 in a couple of days um, just help me out a little bit because I'm feeling a bit alone 
a bit lonely in terms of that intimacy side of things because I, I crave intimacy absolutely crave it in every way shape and form so I'm, that's the point where I'm at now I've talked about some of the common links between the three where you get people over some or all three or they're just in one in that one bubble I guess for lack of a better term they only relate to one of those there's been I get I get asked. Well, I, I thought I'd talk. I get asked a little bit, but I thought I'd talk about uh, about my experiences and whether they've been positive for me. And absolutely, they've been positive for me in every way, shape, and form. I have grown so so much as a person and as a human being, and improved so much as a human being by going through these journeys. And this podcast as well, of course. Has helped me learn and and go through a huge journey of of um, of self improvement as part of that and yeah so I I wouldn't change any of it. I get asked quite a lot what I find attractive and that's such a difficult question to answer because it's people and that's it seems like such a wide open answer but it's not just people it's what makes them people who they are what makes them who they are what makes them tick you know it's more in-depth people well not people that are more in-depth but it's having that more in-depth knowledge about a person that which I'm, I'm more attracted to than just a physical form out there I, I am still attracted to physical forms, don't get me wrong. But the make or break is who they are as a person and how they talk how they talk, how they explain, how they how they are. You know, their attitudes towards things, their personalities of course is part of that. You know, all that sort of stuff. That's what really gets me going. And going back to the polyamory part, kind of, as we close these off. What's the difference between sexual attraction and, you know, other attractions? Hugely, hugely, and it's all and it's all within the mind. It really is all within the mind. Whether you're physically attracted to somebody, just after sex with somebody, after a relationship with somebody, or attracted to them in a relationship sense, or even attracted to them just in a friendship sense. It, that is a thing, by the way, people. It is a thing, by the way. But there's there's so many different differences between them. You like, you you can. One of one of my best friends, we've always joked on about um, sleeping together and and doing fun stuff together. And we're we're we've been attracted to each other. Not so much physically, but um, mentally, mentally so. And so it's never gone to that physical stage. It's never gone to that sexual stage. And then I have people that. In, especially in the past, that is just a sexual thing for me, and I, I do make that clear early on. I don't drag people along because that's so unfair and unnecessary and just a wee bit yucky. And the last thing that I wanted to go into, as I've brightened up my voice just for fun for a little bit, um, but I'm going to get nice and close to explain it. The last one that I get asked 
wee bit, especially when I'm, especially in the kink scene. What are my fantasies? What are my desires? The the desires one. I always have to lower my voice now, and I I, I blame the TV show Lucifer for that. So tell me, what do you desire? What is it that you desire? Always gets me every time. Fantastic TV show with some incredibly attractive people in there as well. Oof. Oh boy. Anyway, I digress. Um, my I've lived out most of my fantasies and desires. My, my big desire now, and I've I spoken on earlier, is to be on stage with a kink scene based around Phantom of the Opera. Finding somebody to do that with me is di is difficult. And then, and then doing the whole rehearsal side of things is obviously going to be a lot of fun, ideally for both involved. And then go out and, and to perform it in front of people. And so people who aren't stage shy, who are confident with themselves, are obviously going to be huge parts of that. But that's that's my big one now. But I'm, I'm always a big fan of doing public things, things in semi-public, sexual things, as well as... You almost having a kink play in public, I guess. So there's little subtle things that other people might not notice, but the two people who are involved in that kink dynamic know it all too well. You know that that little hand around the back of the neck, the the slight power. Um, I was going to say power point, but pressure point is what I'm after. You know, and little things like that, and you know that look that can be shot across a room to to say that hey, come on, or or that that look of desire that, that just says you're mine or you belong to me in that instance anyway. As bad as that may sound, that I think that's really really hot as well. But anyway, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I really hoped you enjoyed getting to know me a little bit better. I know a lot of this stuff was cu was covered uh, in last week's episode with Sadie, but I hope that there's more in-depth information in this one. And again, if you want to contact me, I'm on all of the socials. You can email at theairsoftpodcast.gmail.com. You can find me on Alt Playground, APG. Just search the Airsoft Podcast. I'll be there. I love talking to you guys as well. But thank you once again for listening. And don't forget, let's stay. Hey, slutty.
touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats, and go put on your cleats, and come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany, that's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire, it's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. My nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. Every time I hear drums, and I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love. With the thorns underneath, love sticking into your gums your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time i needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango bash in my brain and make me scream with pain then kick me once again and say we'll never part I know too well I'm underneath your spell. So, darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart. Don't you take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. Is tango? <laughs> 